Good evening. It's wonderful to have you all here tonight. I hope you're having a wonderful start of school. We sure are. Well, tonight I want to start us off with a science story. There was once a frog that was concerned about his life. Okay, stay, stay with me, okay? <laughs> so he went to the future computer, and the future computer predicted, you're going to meet a wonderful young girl who will want to know everything about you. The frog was ecstatic. He said, well, that's wonderful. It sounds wonderful. Where, where am I going to meet her? In her biology class. <laughs> so I told you it was a science story. So OK. All right. Well, it's time for much more precise science with Dr. John and the Technology Spotlight. <laughs> Have you ever wondered how Captain Hook's ship flies, you know, up in the air? Well, if you have, then this tech tonight just might, well, maybe not answer, but it's about that magical. So check this out. If you uh, look at these boats, you'll notice one's down on the water and the other one's up in the sky. Looks like it's floating. Now, how about this? Now they're both floating, only one of them's floating upside down. So how in the world does this work? If you're thinking faith, hope, and trust, no, no. <laughs> this isn't Peter Pan. Uh, but uh, it's not just a trick. It's actually a really interesting phenomenon going on here. And what they're doing is vibrating a liquid. And that vibration actually stabilizes it. Uh, so I want to show you an example, another video, where they have just one little bubble in the liquid and they change the vibration speed as the bubble goes up and down. And as they increase the speed, it pushes the bubble down and as they reduce it, then it goes up. And so they can kind of keep it in the middle. So you see that little bubble in there and then as it starts coming up, they turn up the vibration speed and it slows down and then they can adjust the speed as it's uh, moving up and down and keep it at the position they want. Pretty amazing. Now the, the big caveat is this liquid actually isn't water. It's a glycerol and silicon oil mix that they did to get the right viscosity in order for this experiment to work. But it really is a liquid and they can hold up to half a pint up there and eight inches across. And as you saw, they can even put boats on there to, to make it uh, levitate. Uh, but one other big question, did you see the boat floating upside down on the bottom? Pretty amazing. How in the world does that work? Well, when you have the liquid on top of the air, it's pushing down on the air. The air is actually what's holding up the liquid. It's not defying gravity. And so the air is pressurized. And that pressurized air actually gets to the point where it's dense enough that it's holding up their little ship in the liquid. And uh, as the thing vibrates, any little disturbances in the liquid that would make it fall back down, like you would expect, get pushed back up as it's vibrating up and down. Uh, here's a, a video that kind of shows their apparatus. And uh, if you watch carefully, you'll see them put some more air in with a little syringe down in the bottom. Remember, this is eight inches across. and um, as it's going, it's vibrating, you can see the syringe come down and it uh, a little bit spills there. And then they put some air underneath and kind of push it up. And all they're doing is putting the air in and vibrating it the whole time. And so the air is trapped there under the liquid. <laughs> if nothing else, it looks really amazing, doesn't it? <laughs> but they actually are looking at some possible uh, applications where this might be really useful. For example, separating uh, liquids and uh, gases and things in ways that you normally wouldn't be able to do. They could use this vibration technique to do those separations. And even some techniques where they can do special mixing. So there might be some really neat applications for processing liquids and gases. But if nobody else uses it, maybe Peter Pan will want it. <laughs> I never know. <laughs> and that's all the tech we have the time for. Thank you.
right, and now it's time for Breakthroughs in Science with Tobias. Oh, these new phones, they're pretty amazing. All these new cell phones with new features. I mean, you can get a new one with the fingerprint scanner. You know, you turn it on, and it says, set your fingerprint. You, like, do this a few times, and then it's locked to you. And they have the face ones. So if you see somebody going like, they're probably taking a selfie. But <laughs> if, if that's how they set, you know, you teach it your face. It scans it for you, which, by the way, I'm thinking that we all start a movement where we set our face lock like this. That way we can only unlock our phones when we're happy. <laughs> okay. Next time you're all grouchy and you're going to send that mean text, you pull it out. Fail to recognize. Oh, come on. Fail to. Fine. <laughs> oh, I feel better. <laughs> you know? But one of the most amazing things about smartphones is the battery. The ability for us to do so much on one charge of battery. And it's a really amazing thing that we can do. Now, that really is something that's been built upon many technologies. But one of the most common breakthrough batteries that are used today is called the lithium-ion battery. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Now, this is the gentleman that we're going to be talking about, Akira Yoshino. And he was, from a very young age, very inspired by learning about other scientists namely Michael Faraday. And Michael Faraday had written a book on the history of the chemistry of candles. And it was like about how much energy is inside of one candle and how the chemistry works when that candle's lit. And Akira says that when he read that book when he was like nine, from then on, it was an inspiration to him, even in this breakthrough. And, you know, Michael Faraday, he's the guy who invented the first electric generator, the first electric motor, okay. He, Einstein had a picture of Faraday in his office, okay? So if, if you have a picture of yourself in Einstein's office, you're one of the greatest scientists, or his wife or something, okay? <laughs> but so there was a lot of, you know, idea, and also you could say this, this attitude of he's going to do it when he's going to create an invention that Akiro had. And we kind of start going into this electronic age, and the big... The big craze was get things smaller, portable, wireless. And one of the big holdups on that was, wait a minute, you need a battery, a really good battery, if you're going to be able to have something, an electronic, that's portable, especially if it's going to do anything really big. And you can't exactly carry a car battery around with you for just these menial things. So it was kind of a race that everyone knew about. We need a better battery. Now, of course, batteries, most batteries worked on the basics of, you know, you have well, if we go all the way back to when batteries first were created or invented, two different metals, and if you take, depending on the, the kinds of metals, if you stick them into something like salt water, one of those metals, if you get the correct kinds of metals, one of them will react in there more than the other, and it will start giving off its positive charge, and what's left, a negative charge on that piece of metal. And if you connect that piece of metal to the other piece of metal that's not giving off as much positive charge, there's an imbalance. And the electrons, those negative charged electrons, flow from the first piece of metal over to the other one. And if you put something on that current, you can make it do some work, okay? So it's really a flow of electrons that, that we use to power things in, with batteries, okay? So Akira starts thinking, how can I create something where we can get more bang for the buck. We can have more power for a smaller battery. And he decides to go with lithium. He's going to try using lithium. And lithium is a very reactive substance, and that's why he decides to do it. But unfortunately, other people had already thought of that, and they had tried using lithium. And yes, it's reactive, but that's also very difficult because there, there were a lot of accidents and a lot of setups that they made that didn't work out. They caught on fire because it was just too reactive. How do you get the lithium to be stable, okay? Lithium has one electron on its outer shell, okay? And if you start trying to pull the electron away or if you start doing things with that lithium atom, it's, it's hard to keep it stable. So that was Akira's first challenge. And he found that 
for that positive electrode, if he used a lithium cobalt oxide, he could get the lithium to be stable, okay? So he's got it stable on the positive electrode. And now remember, it's gonna go over to the other side, okay? And he's looking at how, how can I have something over here that the, the lithium's gonna go over to that won't be a mess and cause problems to happen. And he tries using carbon and it doesn't work. And so he invents a new kind of carbon crystalline <coughs> structure and it's basically a graphite. And using this graphite, he is able to find a way to get the ions of lithium to sit there and stay. Now it's not stable, we're gonna talk about that in a second. So what I have are two Ta -ta, models, all right? So this is the lithium, and this is its little electrode going around. I don't know why it sounds like that. Um, <laughs> so we've got the lithium, and it's one electrode, okay? So they're over here happy, stable, content in that cobalt oxide, lithium cobalt oxide. But if you attach power and start running a current, the it draws the electron away, and the electron goes up and over. And so if you can imagine right here, there's this wall, the electrolyte. And the electrolyte has a rule, and the rule is only lithium ions may travel through me, okay? So these guys can go, but not the, the electrons. The electrons get stuck. So they have to go up and over through this wire up here, this invisible wire, okay? So they go up and over into that graphite, okay? And as they're going over, we start to get a depletion over here, and these these lithium atoms, they're now lithium ions, and they have the positive charge, and they are pulled over into the graphite. These sound effects, they just change everything. <laughs> into the graphite, okay? Until more electrons are pulled, and more ions follow, and it's getting more and more on this side. It's build up, build up, build up, okay? And until they're all over here. That means that this lithium ion battery is charged. But this is like potential electrical energy because the moment it's like holding a ball with your hand at the top of a ramp it's there it's good until you move your hand and the moment you let go it's going to come back down and so the moment you pull this off of charge the ions are like this is not stable and they want to leave they want to go back over there to the the carbon the cobalt oxide they want to be over there so they leave and go through the electrolyte in the middle and the electrons are like what about me <laughs> Okay, they're getting higher and higher. Um, they want to go back too, but they can't, so they go up and through that wire. And as they travel through the wire, they do work. They make a light bulb come on or whatever, do your phone, and they come back and connect back into this oxide. And this, being able to do this, allowed him to charge the battery up and then disconnect. These move over and it comes back over. Now, that seems pretty, that's, that's pretty amazing to be able to do. But the next problem he ran into was he needed a stronger current. It wasn't as strong as he needed it to be. And so in his testing, he found that a larger surface area of these, these two uh, electrodes, okay, of the graphite and the oxide, if the larger the surface area, the stronger the current. So instead of having a big blob of this and a blob of this or a cylinder and a cylinder, he put them on flat sheets of tin. One was aluminum and one was copper. And he made these flat sheets and then rolled them up. And that allowed a lot more surface area and allowed the current to be much higher. So he had a battery that was working. And it wasn't just working, it was working with a lot more power than other batteries of that size. And then the problem you get when you get a powerful battery, what about overheating or even catching fire or even exploding? Well, that was one of the big holdups of this technology. And so he invented a kind of plastic membrane that would go in between, right here, in between these two electrodes, right in the middle by that, that electrolyte that lets the ions through. And this plastic membrane was special and it had these little tiny pores that it would let the ions go through unless it got too hot. And when it got hot, those pores would close, start to get smaller until the ions couldn't get through. And so that allowed it to slow down the process or even stop it if it got too hot. And they experimented with that and it actually worked. 
So they were able to get a lithium-ion battery that was stable and safe to the point of being able to avoid these, these heat issues. So from one, one issue to another, one challenge to another until finally they had something that was working. And Sony was the first company that made a product with these little batteries in it. And now they are all over the world powering all kinds of devices. So if you look at this picture again, Akira Yoshino, and you know, he looks pretty happy there. Well, he won the Nobel Prize last year, so you know, you'd be pretty happy too. Uh, for this invention, him and two other gentlemen uh, were awarded that award for this breakthrough in batteries. So next time, you know, you get all ready for your night, your hair, ready to go, and you pick up your phone, you forgot to charge it, okay? And you just, oh, um, just remember, could be worse, okay? It could be you get your phone out and you get your car battery and then you walk out, okay? <laughs> so look on the bright side. Thank you. Right, and now introducing Roger Billings. Fixed me up <laughs> when I take that landing. I just want you to know you look good. <laughs> Thank it's you. Looking good. All right. My secret thing there. <laughs> well, welcome everybody. It's uh, exciting to have Wednesday. Yes. And some of you won't see this until Thursday or Friday because we have people tune in at different days of the week. But those of you who are here live today, you have a big responsibility mm -hmm. because we're adding a new feature tonight. Right. And the feature is more live interaction. So you'll notice that you were able to sign in tonight. If you have not signed in and you're watching, you need to sign in. If you're watching this someplace like Facebook and you can't sign in, you may want to consider going over to the official site. And I'll tell you a couple ways to get there. Mm -hmm. And then you can sign in. And, it, it really, and if there are some of you sharing a computer, you can still sign in. Okay. So here's how it works. You can go to rogerbillings.com, click on the Science Live, and that'll get you there. Or you can go into a Cellus and sign in to a Cellus. And when you see your classes, look up on the top bar to the right, and you should see a little new icon that suddenly appeared there if you're in Cellus Academy or Power Homeschool. And you click on that, and that'll get you to the same page. After you get there, look for the place to sign in. And then you put in your Cellus ID and your password, and doo -doo -doo, your name will mysteriously appear on the page, and there'll be a place for someone else to sign in too. Please do that so that we will know that you are with us. Okay? Now, we also have the, uh, the little interaction window where you can type a message. And we have asked... Dr. Peget, if she'll monitor those for us. In fact, uh, we have so many messages come in that she has some helpers, helpets, <laughs> help back there, that like are that. monitoring them, and they're selecting the best of the best messages. Could be a question, could be an answer, could be a word of wisdom. Whatever it is you want to send, send it, and we'll be giving her some time a little bit later to okay. share your wisdom with us. Okay. okay, anything you want to add on that? Well, they're already coming in. They're already coming in? Yeah. They're coming in good? They're coming in good. All right, good, mm -hmm. excellent. So um, this is a new beginning for us, and uh, we, we're excited about this new school year, and, uh, and now it's time to get back to science That's live. I think, though, before we do jump in, we should apologize for Joseph's joke about the frog. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a little bit edgy. <laughs> yeah. I would just like to say, Joseph, that, that on the family tree, that joke came in on Tanya's side. <laughs> yeah. Just, 
it's just an observation, okay? Anyway, so there's something that I'm pretty excited about tonight, and I want to share it with you right away. Uh, you know, we're broadcasting, or I should say originating, but actually broadcasting from the top of the uh, Billings Tower, a five-story building located at the Kansas City Airport. And we're in the Hawkins Lecture Hall. Remember, Dr. Hawkins was uh, one of the founders of our International Academy of Science. He was also president of Lockheed California, director of NASA, really great guy. And so this uh, lecture hall is named in his honor. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and by the way, my office is just down the hall and across on the other side of the building. In fact, kitty corner from this one. And that's where I work like a slave on a cellus. Okay? <laughs> but I'm a part-timer. You're a part-timer. Yeah, you're supposed, What's that mean? you're supposed to fall for this. Yeah. I'm I a am. I'm I a part-timer. I have two jobs. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So uh, what are they? The other half of the day, I work for Cybersecurity Corporation, mm. which is my daytime job, and uh, how I try to support my family. And Cybersecurity Corporation has a factory that manufactures electronics. We make the gold book computers. We make the gold mm -hmm. keys. We make the servers that Acellus runs on. We make a lot of the network equipment. But uh, <clears throat> Cybersecurity Corporation has acquired a new building just three blocks down the road. And so my cybersecurity office, where I have to work the other half of the day, is going to be just a couple blocks away. Now, we're in the five-story building, but the Cyber Security Corporation building is 10 stories. And, you know, you guys watching from New York saying, only 10? <laughs> but, you know, for up here, the 10-story building is the tallest building in our county. And, of course, can you guess where my office is going to be? <laughs> Ninth floor? No. I think it's 10th. 10th. That's it. Yeah. Right on top because Cybersecurity Corp bought the building. That's how you get to pick the office you want. <laughs> and so be you, though. we <laughs> are fixing up the office, mm -hmm. and I'm really excited about it. They're doing a lot of work. And I wondered if they would like to take a little meander down to see it. I think they would like to. So are you interested in a short outing, yeah. a little trip to the cybersecurity building? Uh -huh. Okay, uh, Dr. Peche, would you like to come? Of course. Okay, yes. <laughs> You'll notice it's, it's evening here, but all of a sudden, as we get outside, it's going to be daylight. <laughs> we went back in time. Well, I think it was that future computer Joe was talking yeah, about. I think something so. like that. Yeah. Okay, so this this was filmed a little bit earlier this afternoon. Uh-huh. Let's roll it. Okay. 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 That, so that's Dr. Peche. And here we are at the elevators. Show you what I call my mural. <laughs> Okay, well, guess what? <laughs> Today we're going in the elevators. <laughs> <laughs> latest project. Let's go ahead. All right, here we go. Hey, look, we found Tobias. <laughs> All right, now we're headed outside. That wasn't rehearsed, by the way. Can you see the Acellus Academy bus out there? Yeah. Well, today, we are going to find the Raptor, which is going to be our transportation. I can see it. Can you see it? And the weather's changing. We might get some winter yet. You never know. This is the Raptor. This is my ride. Check it out. And if I turn back around, get a chance to see the Billings Tower. Bye, Tower. Okay, so we're heading out inside the Raptor. And this is the parking lot at the Billings Tower. The 
coming out onto Ambassador Drive. For those that don't know Kansas City, we're at the International Airport. And you see next door is the Hilton Garden Inn Hotel, where you can stay when you come to see us. And we're going to head out the gate. There's the sign showing the International Academy of Science. And if you look down, Ambassador Drive, we're going to be headed just three blocks. Okay, now if you look way out there on the horizon, you see an amazing glass building starting to poke up its head. It's kind of green. Can you see it? It's the tallest building, and that is our new digs. And that's the new headquarters for Gold Key. We're going to drive over closer and let you see it. Okay, now you can really see that building. And you can see we're pulling up to the turnoff. There's the Marriott Residence Inn, and here is the entrance to our brand new parking lot. So guys, there it is. That is our brand new home. Gold Key Corporation, which is now called Cybersecurity Corporation, has purchased this building and it's going to be uh, the new home and they're getting a new office ready. I have to show you something here on the side. You look over at these guys. <laughs> okay, so look, can you see all of these Lasalle uh, Academy students from Canada? <laughs> <laughs> now we're gonna head back over to the building. And if you look up there, you can see it. We're going to give you a quick tour because my new office is on the top of the 10th floor. This is the tallest building in this county and very, very quick to become our new home. So let's jump out here and take a look. Okay, so here we are at the entrance of the CyberSec Tower. She can't get in. <laughs> but I know the code. <laughs> Get us in, get us in. And here we are. Here it is. This is the new building that we're so excited about. And if you look around here, it's kind of a modern little entrance. We're actually putting a Starbucks right in there, just in case. <laughs> and so let's take the elevator up to the 10th floor and we'll show you where they're making my brand new office. Okay, we're now riding up the elevator. Dr. Money's being good. If you look up here, we can see we're up to the eighth floor, ninth floor, tenth floor. Let's see how the construction is coming. Oh goodness, they're doing the floor. Look at that. They put brand new floor tile in. And it's probably not supposed to be walked on. <laughs> Please don't tell on me. Look over here. This is going to be the new conference room right off of the elevator. But what I wanted to show you is the new offices. There's the three elevators. Okay, we're sneaking in this door. This room straight ahead. Let's go ahead and take a look at it. This is going to be the brand new Area 51, where great inventions will take place. And if anybody happens, oh, look, there's my reflection. <laughs> if you look real, okay, if you look real careful, you might be able to see downtown Kansas City. Yes. And of course, right down below us is the freeway. Yep. All right, let's go on back down now and we'll take a look at the new office. This is a, a big step for us. Okay, someone left us some boxes here. <laughs> you got a ceiling towel. And look. 
that is the entrance to my brand new office. Wow. Uh, doesn't look like they gave me any carpet. <laughs> look at the ceiling. Whoa, that's neat. They've been working hard on it, haven't they? They've got a nice dark wall there. If you look careful, I'll try to film this so you can see it. Oh, there's one corner with windows in the middle and another corner. The room is shaped exactly like a UFO. <laughs> so I call it the UFO office. And down that way, I can see downtown Kansas City. And if we look over this way, we can look down on the Kansas City Airport. In fact, right now, if we can zoom in, maybe you can see there's an airplane that is trying to take off. And he's lifting up. Oh, he's landing. <laughs> oh, that's the other kind of takeoff. <laughs> now, if you look down the freeway, I'm going to try and do this very carefully so you can see it. There's the freeway. And way down there, sticking up on top, is the Billings Tower. It's that white box right on top, and behind it is the Hilton Hotel. So now you know all about Kansas City and the new office. Now I do have one more thing I want to show you. Let's go back out, Dr. Monet, and can you be the one to lead them? Okay. She's doing great. She's leading us out to the left, to the left. Okay, now we're looking at this. Gary, let's zoom back just a little more. There we go. And right there is a door. What's in that door? door? Show us. <laughs> we want to look in here. I'm not sure we should go in here. We should go in here. Okay. This is what? This, this is my office. Uh oh, <laughs> look how messy it is. <laughs> Junk on the floor. You're setting a bad example for oh, the students, Dr. Monet. Yeah, this is what I call the prison room. <laughs> yeah, it's where people are locked up so that they get a lot of work done. And look at that great view, if you can, of the outside airport and the freeway. If you get bored, you can count cars. So, you have seen it now. This is the uh, brand new office of Cybersecurity Corporation. This is where I live for half the day when I'm not working on Miscellus. Let's head back over to the uh, Billings Tower. We made it. We made it. That's what do you think? I think it's neat. Yeah, but we need to talk about science. We do. But it is fun. We're really excited about it. And it's always fun to get a, a new place to work. So... We have actually we have a lot of comments coming in, but there's okay. one comment that says hello Roger Billings exclamation point. I am from Brazil. Can you speak a little Portuguese? I love your stories. Her name is Isabel. Isabel. Mm -hmm. Is it Isabel or Isabella? Isabel Bandera. 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 How do you mm. say her name? <laughs> uh, Tell me. <laughs> seja bem vindo, Isabel. She got it. She got it. Okay, good. <laughs> Good to see you. Okay, now we got to get to work. You know, um, I need some help with planning. I always have a reason for taking you on a trip like that. Did you see that office that's shaped like a flying saucer? Yes. It's a UFO office, and there's a lot of room there, and I need some furniture to go in there. And so I'm trying to figure out what kind of furniture would be appropriate to put in that office. Now, a lot of the things I do is I meet with uh, especially technology people, teachers, educators, programmers, mm -hmm. educators, teachers, <laughs> a lot of, of different team members. And my special job is to motivate, inspire, and help them all work in sync so that when we get done, Zellis actually works. And in my... Billings Tower office, I have a little conference table in my office, and I have my chair down on the end, and then there's three chairs on both sides, so I can have six people there, and then down on the far end is a, a, 
television that's hooked up to the computer so we can show videos and images, etc. But I notice that when I'm sitting there, that three people are lined up and three are lined up, and I can see the one in front really well, but I can't see the ones in back because they're sitting behind the first one. And I thought, wouldn't it be neat to have a desk where you can see everybody? So I came up with the idea of, I want to have a round desk or conference table where people can sit. And then I got thinking, if I'm on a round table, I can see those people on the far side well, but the ones right next to me, I can't see them. I want to be able to look them right in the eye and say, why isn't this done? <laughs> right? And so then I got this really, really, really brainy idea. I thought, what if I cut the round table in half? So it was a half a table. And then I could sit right, you know, like a big half a piece of watermelon? I could sit right there in the middle, and it could be round all the way around, and I could have five people sit there, and I could look them all right in the eye. Mm -hmm. Intimidating. Four people. No, five people, come on. <laughs> It just seems like that would be a really good thing. It would. So where do you get a desk or a conference table shaped like a half a watermelon slice? Of course. You go to eBay. Oh, yeah, they have everything, don't <laughs> yeah, they? Yeah, you go to eBay. So I went to eBay, and I did a search for half-circle-shaped conference table. That was kind of a wild search. Uh, well, you know, you got to try. And a desk came up, and it was big enough to sit five people on the outside radius, where that means the curve, and on the side where I was going to put my nice big comfy chair, there was even a little indent place for me to sit. And I thought, this is absolutely perfect. It was used, but it looked really, really nice. Now... There is something I'll tell you about it that maybe I shouldn't. You should, definitely. I, we want to know. It's I want to know. Oh, okay. It, it's accurate, but uh, it's made out of uh, teak wood, which is a wood that comes from the tropical areas of, of the planet, which is a very, very amazing wood. And it, it's just beautiful. And it has a cordenza. That means a little desk drawer table thing behind it that matches. So it would be perfectly what I need. And I thought, well, this is a modern office. This is kind of an old desk. Would it fit? Is it the right look? And it was just so perfect. And so I decided uh, I think I'll go for it. So I went ahead and clicked on buy now. Mm -hmm. Some of you have done eBay before, you just click. Of course, there is a catch. <laughs> you have to pay. <laughs> oh. But then I looked up at the top of the page, and I saw something that startled me. It said, this desk is from the estate of William P. Lear. <laughs> Seriously. And wow. I couldn't hardly believe it. I couldn't hardly believe it. So I went back and I looked um, at a video from my days with Lear. Now, some of you already know that when I was coming out of college, Mr. Lear came to the university and he was looking for a protege, which someone explained to me is a French word that means someone that's going to kind of mentor and train you. And so I left immediately for Stead Air Force Base, which is near Reno, Nevada, which was no longer an Air Force Base because it had been purchased by Bill Lear. And that's where his operations were. And uh, my young family and I, uh, in fact, we had, a, I think, a one-week-old daughter, uh, went and actually moved into the Lear home. And so I got thinking, was this the desk that was in his home? And I started remembering his house, because we stayed there for a while before our baby helped us get inspired to get our own apartment. <laughs> but um, I couldn't place the desk. Um, 
I could not figure out which room in the house he had it in, but it was neat. I mean, this has heritage. This is Bill Lear's desk, and Bill Lear did so much to impact my career. And in fact, a lot of the, uh, the and, and can I use a Portuguese word, a lot of the jeito yes. that has helped me succeed in my work came from watching Bill Lear and being mentored by him. And in case some of you do not speak Portuguese, like Dona Isabela, <laughs> let me just say that jeito is a word we really need to adopt in English. We should import it and keep it. If you say that uh, she's got jeito, that means she really knows how to get things done. It's a I wonderful like word. Yeah, jeito. Mm -hmm. It's the ability to do things. It's kind of like pejeito. Pejeito. <laughs> <laughs> Can we go to commercial? <laughs> that was unscripted, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> well, anyway, anyway. Sorry. So then I, I looked at a documentary about Bill Lear, and partway through the documentary, his wonderful wife, uh, was speaking and they showed his office at Stead Air Force Base where I actually worked every day and there was Bill Lear's office and there was the same desk and as soon as I saw it in its natural environment I instantly remembered it and I even knew I sat at that chair right there <laughs> that's where I would sit and now in the, in the actual picture of it in his office with the windows and everything, I instantly knew it. And with all the junk he used to have on <laughs> the Gordon stuff, that was real easy to recognize. That's neat. But That's uh, really neat. there's something about this, uh, this desk that I want to mention. And it's kind of, a, of an interesting thing. Um, and it says a lot about how we evolve as, as people on this earth. One of the unique features about the desk is that the top inlaid in the teak wood is a covering of elephant hide. It's a custom unique desk that Bill Lear had custom made for him. And um, it's interesting how in the number of years the hundred years since, you know, he was really starting his career, we have come to think a lot differently about some of the natural treasures on the earth. Um, you know, the, the animals that walk this earth are magnificent, and some of them have become extinct which is a tragedy. If they are truly extinct, then we will probably never get to see another one of them here. And of course, there are a lot of things that are long time extinct, like the mollusk and like the dinosaurs. Wouldn't it be fun to go see some dinosaurs from a distance? <laughs> but um, I think it's neat that our sensitivity is changing and we're starting to have more appreciation for the things of nature. It's become uh, a pretty serious crime if you uh, trade in, in ivory, ivory tusk of an elephant. Used to be would put ivory on the, the piano keys and would make carvings in them and so forth. But pretty soon uh, we started to diminish the elephant population trying to make pianos, etc. And so now they've passed laws and, and we're a lot more protective of these natural earthly treasures. Um, life is precious and it, it really is kind of special. But at any rate, so uh, I purchased the desk and I'm planning to bring it back from Nevada where it still is and put it right there in the office. Uh, would any of you like to see it? Yes. I, I have the... Not so high resolution picture for me, babe. Let me let me show it to you. There it is. Can you can we zoom in a little bit on that? Uh, so you can see the teak wood around the outside, 
and then it has the natural leather there in the middle. And uh, boy, that brings back a lot of memories for me. Now my chair, the one I normally sat in, was the one right to the left edge. Only the way he had it, there was another one there. So I was in the second chair. And that's where I'd usually park myself. And behind the person taking this picture, he had a little couch. And Mr. Lear, who at the time was a little bit elderly, would uh, take a nap every day. And I'd sit right in that chair and read books while he would take his little snooze for about 10 or 15 minutes. But I want to tell you what an amazing thing Bill Lear did to me and to my life. Uh, we didn't have any kind of a, of a planned schedule other than uh, in the very beginning, we stayed in their home. And while I go with Mr. Lear, Tanya was trained by Moya, Mrs. Lear. And that was kind of special too. She learned to enjoy a lot of foods we didn't know were edible. <laughs> like what? Like mushrooms. I like mushrooms. Like yeah. raw. And we learned to like things like avocados and things that wow. were kind of off our radar before that, weren't they? <laughs> um, when we were going to the university, uh, we specialized in all foods costing less than a quarter. Uh, I have to tell you how that works. Uh, we happened to be living in a little teeny house right between where our two, our two parents lived. We were, our parents were both in the same city. And we had this lovely little child. And I was a full-time student, and she was... Uh, mother and so we were on a fixed income and so and in fact a lot of our income during this period actually came from me doing magic shows on the weekend so I go make my thumbs disappear and uh, <clears throat> anyway she, she may not want to have this spoken in public but we used to sit there on Sunday waiting for when we knew both of our parents would be home from church. And then we'd pick out <laughs> which parent to call, and we'd just call them right at that moment. Just We know they're just getting ready to eat, just time to get over there. And, Hi. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> Come over for dinner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that's, that's how we kept protein in our diet, wasn't it? Well, it's... It's wonderful that we were able to go do this adventure together, and we did learn a lot. We learned a lot of culture, we learned, but I learned marvelous things that really have impacted my career and have made the difference in being able to accomplish some of the projects that instead of being accomplishments today, I think without Lear's intervention, would have been good tries. And it, it makes a point that I'd really like you to think about tonight. Uh, what you're able to accomplish in your lifetime depends a lot about how much you learn, how much you know. The science, the math, the English, the history, all these things are very valuable in being able to achieve whatever you choose your goal to be. But besides the knowledge, there is a factor which is just self confidence. It's self-motivation, self-drive. Um, when Bill Lear uh, was developing his, his Learjet, Moya shared with us a story about Bill Lear's first flight in the jet. And he said that, or she said, that he set up four chairs, two in front, two in back, in the kitchen. These were kitchen table chairs. And he asked her to sit in the front right seat, which would be the co-pilot seat. He sat in the left, and, and then he went through the experience of flying his Learjet, dreaming the dream. Bill Lear taught me something that I'd like to share with all of you tonight. And I want you to think about this. He was very, very serious when he told me. And I realize it's absolute truth. He said, most people never achieve their life goals and dreams 
And I perked up, you know, here comes wisdom. And he said, because they don't know what their dreams and goals are. Do you realize how true that is? People don't achieve their goals because they don't take time to make any. They never achieve their dreams because they don't dream them. If you don't know what you're going to dream, how are you going to achieve it? And he sat there in those chairs, and he dreamed flying in that airplane, and he envisioned it. And I think it gave him a lot of ability to figure out what his airplane needed and what it didn't. One of the things he thought it needed was a way to play music. And when you're flying an airplane, you don't want to be messing with threading a tape recorder. So he invented a cartridge. You plug in, and the tape comes out of the center, and it's a never-ending loop. It'll never stop playing. He called it the 8-track stereo. He made $18 million in, in just one license deal with RCA from this little Learjet 8-track tape player. Now, I never saw the kitchen table and the chairs that Moya told us about, but I have come across a picture of Bill Lear taking Moya for her first Learjet ride in a mock-up. No way. You want to see it? Yeah. This is a mock-up of the airplane. I they do. were building a model. Okay. And then, oh, then tell me, well, there they are. There's Bill. You oh, notice fun. he's letting her sit in the pilot's chair. Uh-huh. And he's co-piloting. And knowing Bill like I do, I suppose he said, I'll tell you what, you be the pilot. <laughs> he <laughs> wanted so her to experience fun. the thrill. But this was a mock-up of the Learjet exactly to scale and you can see it's made out of wood. Uh -huh. uh, kind of hard to have a, a jet that was that powerful and that much performance, just made out of wood. In fact, um, the, the two guys that uh, were involved in flying the airplane the first time, the test pilots, uh, said that they knew that this was going to be, uh, you know, like a rocket. The Learjet was so powerful, it was going to be like a rocket. And they said they got in that airplane to take off the very, very first time. And sure enough, it was. Just wow. zoom out. Uh, and, and you cannot really imagine how exhilarating that is unless you do it. I, I remember it. our first flight. When we moved to Reno to work with Lear, he came and got us. He picked us up in the Learjet. So we climbed in, Tanya and, and little one-week-old Kimberly sat down in the first seat, and me, <laughs> I was uh, a pilot with Cessna's little, little planes, so I sat in the jump seat. The jump seat is a seat that backs onto the pilot seat. There's a little wall there, and it's a pull-down chair. And so I'm sitting with front to my back, and I'm actually leaning around the corner. It was leaning around like this, trying to watch everything that's going on. So we taxied out to the end of the runway. We pulled up into takeoff position. And then they run through the little pre-flight tests and things they do, check the engine run up, check all the instruments. But then Mr. Lear, who was sitting left seat and Gunner, his co-pilot, was in the right seat, but Mr. Lear started pushing the jet engine controls forward. And those jets, you know, they had a lot of power. It was two, one on each side of the tail, and the plane just started to shake. Now, I, I just happened to bring a jet, so you can check this out. Can you see the, the, there's a jet engine on both sides of the back here, and they're close together. They're very, very powerful. Notice on the tips, you have two tip tanks. The wings are full of fuel. They store fuel, and then to have enough range, they also have these little tip tanks on the end. These are real interesting wings on a Learjet. They're the same wing that was on the S6 uh, Swedish fighter. And they have in, inside the wing, it's a little hard to see inside the wing here, but there are eight braces that go through together. Most airplanes only had uh, a couple, a couple or three, and, and these headaches are very, very strong wings, very powerful. But these engines, 
they had a lot of power, especially for such a little airplane. So we're sitting on the runway. Let's see if I can get this pointed just about right. There we go. <laughs> we're sitting on the runway, getting ready to take off. Mr. Lear has the brakes on. Lear jets, all jets, have very good brakes. So these brakes are on, and he's revving up the engine. Did it on the right hand because in the left seat. And as we get more and more and more powerful, you can hear the air, and the plane just starts to vibrate. And he kept going up. Still, we weren't moving. We were still on the ground. And then we got so much thrust that the plane started dragging across the brakes a little bit. <laughs> and finally, he didn't let off easy. He just let go of the brakes. And all of a sudden, it just threw them in the back of their seat. But I was turned the wrong way. And it, it was quite a thrill because there was a force coming out of that plane. There was not a commercial airplane at the time that had that much power for the size and the ratio. And boy, it took off like a rocket. And just as soon as he could, partway down the runway, he took the plane off. And he lifted it off and leveled out flat looked like it was maybe 10 or 20 feet above the ground. You could still see the runway right there, and we were going faster and faster. And he retracted the landing gear. That's the wheels. So they pulled the wheels in. The wheels create a lot of drag. Drag makes planes go slower. When you get the wheels tucked in and the cowlings closed, the plane goes a lot faster. They also have little flaps that make the wing bigger for takeoff, and he pulled those up. And that makes it fly faster. So we're still going over this long runway, and I can still see the runway down there, but we're still only 20 feet off the ground. And then with the airplane cleaned up, as pilot said, the wheel's gone, the flaps pulled up, everything, he pointed it straight up. <laughs> wow. And what a thrill it was. And, of course, I'm just hanging <laughs> on to my seatbelt. But Mr. Lear turned around and he said, there are not very many planes that can do this. <laughs> and he loved that airplane. And he had every right to. He had earned it. He had worked very hard. But those two first guys that got to fly the airplane in the Spain voyage, and by the way, Bill Lear wanted to so bad, but the FAA wouldn't let him. They wanted to be very careful because this plane had never flown before. But uh, they were taken off from Wichita, Kansas. And somebody tipped off the local radio station. The Learjet just took off. And cars just streamed from Wichita out to the airport. Mm -hmm. And when the two guys finished their maiden flight and came back, they said there was a giant traffic jam of cars wanting to see the Learjet fly for the first time. I'd like to show you a picture of these two guys. There they are. There's <laughs> Bill smiles. and Moya. All those smiles. And that was a big day. Uh, big day for the pilots, a big day for Bill and for Moya. And a dream come true. Uh, making that kind of an airplane is a major, major accomplishment. And I don't think very many people could have done it. Um, and I think Mr. Lear was more able to do it because as he was coming up through his developmental years, uh, he became a radio designer. He said he'd design a new radio every day for a while there because he really understood radios. But he was having a real hard time making a living from it. He could design the radios, but how do you sell them? How do you how do you get money to you know, go home and pay the bills? And that's when he connected with Thomas Edison. And Thomas Edison gave him some great ideas on how to make radio designs that would sell. And then how to actually present them so he'd make some money. And uh, after Bill Lear and I uh, were having our conversation, this is now a couple years later, I'd left, uh, in fact, one morning uh, at breakfast, he just said, I, you're finished. And I thought, okay, I've done something really wrong. He says, no, 
I've taught you everything I can. Now go, go do your own thing. And so we went home, and we didn't fly in the Learjet. We had to drive our car home. And it was, it was hard. It was hard to leave. And yet, it was not much more than a year later when I was on the phone with Bill telling him that my company had just gone public and that I was sending him a bunch of stock that was worth a lot of cash, and he told me that he didn't want my stock. And I said, no, you don't understand. It's like cash. And he said, oh, so now you're going to teach me about stock, huh? <laughs> Which is funny because he knew so much more than I did. But uh, he said that a long time ago, and that was the first day I found out that he was mentored by Thomas Edison. He had never mentioned that before. He said, but he told me that if I wanted to pay him back, help someone else, he said, I'm an old man, but I've paid my debt. And so a lot of people are using a cellist. And did you know that Acellus is my way of paying my debt to Bel Air? And I, uh, I'm highly motivated by that. And I just think if all of you decide that anything that we do here in Science Live or in Acellus helps you in your career, then you pay it on. You find someone to help. And just think how many people we could impact in this world. Okay. We're, we're run out of time here, but do you have anything that... <laughs> we'll have a lot of things. Um, this is my thing. This is yeah, your thing? Yeah, this, this is, is her thing, thing now. Um, I do want to read something. So am I to understand that... Um, so if I go to the Cells Academy and you're mentoring me through these things, then I have the history, the genealogy of... So you're my mentor, and that means... I have Bill Lair in that line, and then I have Thomas Edison in that line. That's exactly that's what it means. Right. And uh, that's a noble heritage. It is. And we have some other great contributors, too, we'll talk yeah. more about, such as Willis Hawkins, yeah. such as uh, Sir Jeffrey Pardo, such as Dr. Tupolov, and the three founders that helped create this great organization. There were a lot of good comments that came in. A lot. They love the raptor, number one. They love <laughs> They love seeing. You can't go wrong with the raptor. <laughs> they love seeing the cybersecurity. They love seeing that. But this one um, is from Mackenzie, and she's in Maryland. She says, I think, that you, I think how you were mentored by Mr. Lear and that you, how you found that desk is awesome. Yeah. In my view, you are like a mentor to everyone who watches this and goes to your academy. Well, that's the goal, isn't it? You know, uh, one of the really incredible students that I was able to help mentor that wears a red jacket <laughs> um, <clears throat> is a, an example of, of what people can do if they'll apply themselves. Uh, when we first talked, uh, way back in the beginning, and I told uh, not yet Dr. Peget <laughs> that I believed that she would be very good in technology. She was pretty sure that technology wasn't her thing. She said she really liked it, but she's not very good at it. Yeah. She also told me she wasn't very good at math, and I said, maybe you're an Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> it was Einstein true that I was said he good. really struggled with math, <laughs> but he came it. around, didn't he? <laughs> so, yes, and, and one of my great goals in, in doing this whole Science Live program is to get you excited about science, but not just to get you excited. The people that uh, join with us every week over the course of a year, and some of our kids more than a year, come away knowing a lot of science, yes. don't you? Yeah. It's interesting. And one of the greatest enjoyments for me personally is a lot of the dads and the granddads reach out to me and say, you know, I was wondering about that dissimilar mental coil. No wonder that. I've wondered about that for you. It just thrills me. It's really fun. You make it so tangible. The kids and the, and the significant olders. And that's what a lot of the comments are, how you make science exciting for well, them. Well, it is exciting. Yeah. And I, I really believe that a lot of the students that are participating may not become scientists. 
and, and you may do uh, something completely different, maybe medicine, maybe law, maybe whatever it is, but the principles, the scientific method, the math, the science, and things we learn will empower you in whatever you do. We have a lot of students that are incredible in the arts, mm -hmm. dancers, musicians, concert pianists, and it's kind of important for them to have a school they can take with them because they have to be on the road a lot. Uh, there are some with us that are probably going to become professional athletes, mm -hmm. and some of them already are. Uh, it's kind of exciting to hear about some of you and your accomplishments but you still need this knowledge. I had one guy who says, you know, I'm, I'm good at football. I'm gonna end up being a professional football player. I said, oh, really? A really good one? He said, yeah. And I said, well, you're probably gonna live in Kansas City then. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the That's good football <laughs> takes place, right here in Kansas City. But I said, you know, if you're gonna be that good, then you better get back in there and learn That's that right. math because how are you gonna keep track of all that money? <laughs> and I, I think that the math and the science is very important even to figure out a good pass pattern. So <laughs> there you go. Well, we're out of time. We want to thank all of you for joining us today. Uh, we look forward to being back with you next week. But please don't waste a minute of the opportunity you have to learn. Learn, 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 learn. Invest in yourself. Be all that you can be. Good night. Thank you, Dr. Bishop. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us tonight. We'll see you next week. Have a great night.